Hey, it's the Tim Anderson podcast. Oh, Jesus Christ. What a night we've already had. Uh, we're watching football. Uh, the, the podcast equipment is down. It's snowing outside. It's, it's just, it's, it's fucking anarchy here in Minneapolis tonight. It's all, all of Tim's say. favorite things. Your guy, Tom threw a red zone interception. Tom's thrown a red zone interception. The Cowboys are up 12. Oh, Jesus. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm exasperated guys. I'm exasperated. We haven't even began. It's 30 seconds in. Uh, I hate Monday night football in the playoffs. I mean, I'm a mess guys. I'm a mess. Somebody talk me down. Give me something. Oh, you won't get any comfort here because I agree. Monday night football in the playoffs sucks. Everything should be done by Sunday night. Well, I'm glad you agree. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing with me. Misery loves company, Tim. It's all good. I, you know, I, I was against it too. I will say that it, I am. I have probably watched more football with this game being on than I would have if it was two days of three games stacked. Okay. That's probably fair. And, you I know what I mean? I, would, like, yeah. I wouldn't have caught the noon game on Saturday. Yeah, there's you know there's enough going on Saturday that with other stuff or what I don't know. But again, I just think there should be two less teams in the playoffs. And welcome again to the podcast. Maybe I should give you the formal introduction. That's uh, my buddy Zach, who just spoke right there. The uh, the coach uh, Zach Knee neighbor, and my guy Ryan, the coach Ryan, uh, who just conducted his first ever speech tournament on Saturday. Uh, happy to be in a part of it. Well done, Rhino. Good to have you both on the pod. Couldn't have happened without you, Tim. Thanks for I, being there. I did do a lot of work on Saturday. I did more more running around of your high school than I anticipated doing, but uh, I was glad to do it. It was a, it was a great deal of fun uh, to be out there. And I must say, uh, it has uh, definitely uh, it's been the highlight of my weekend, to say the least. Besides all the football, it was the highlight of my weekend. No question about that. All right. Where do you want to start, guys? I'm going to give you some choices here because the the playoffs, I will say this, we were worried that maybe we would get some skunky games, that we were going to get some stuff that wasn't any good. Uh, Not the case. Uh, There were a lot of very interesting games. So where do you want to start? I I do think the the interesting games, I mean... We we were not necessarily interested as much in some of these, you know, divisional rematches, but they do make for tighter games. Yeah, the the Miami Buffalo game was a lot closer than I think anyone thought it was going to be, especially with Skylar Thompson starting at quarterback. Well, and it was seventeen nothing to start the game. Right. Right. I mean, you did I, did I say at one point he was seventeen for forty something? Yeah, I was going to say Skylar Thompson didn't set the world on fire here. This was more about the Bills doing irrational bill stuff than it was. I think the dolphins doing anything amazing. And it seems like the bills do that a lot. Um, they, they, they get bored. I don't know. I don't know the way to put it. Like, it's like they get bored, they fuck around and then they pull away at the end. Yeah. Skylar Thompson finished 18 for 45. Yeah. That's, that's butt cheeks. That's not good. No, that's no, it's not. not. <laughs> but they were able to get what they get three picks of Josh Allen, or they get they force what three turnovers. It just felt like they were able to make enough plays, and all of a sudden, like Allen just kind of gave them. I mean, they were they they should they had the uh, touchdown that they almost had that was overturned because it hit the ground, and so they kicked the field goal there. 
And then they got a chance to really go down and put him away here. And they throw this deep ball, which was ill-advised. I don't know what Allen was doing. And then he throws a pick and it was kind of like it spurred the, the, the Dolphins on for a minute. And before you knew it, we were tied at 17. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it definitely it, it got to butthole clenching time for the for the for the Bills earlier than I think anyone would have liked, especially if you were betting on the game. Uh, they they have a tendency to implode a little bit. They've got they've got a little bit of that to their game where I, I, it feels like every once in a while, maybe not often, but every once in a while you can catch them in a bad spot. Like Zach said, they get they get bored, and all of a sudden it's a game and they're not ready for it. And they're, you know, Miami is so beat up at this point in the season that, you know, it just kind of feels like that, you know, they, they didn't have the capability to to cash in on that and close that game out. But, I mean, against a team like Kansas City or, or even Cincinnati, are you going to be able to get away with that at any point in the game? I, you know, I think it's interesting because, you know, they really do throw it around the yard. And... They had a little bit of run game this week, right? More than than they have in the past. Sorry, that's my oh. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. Now that was the ad on the ESPN uh, GameCast. And G- um, James Cook was like James Cook looks like he's starting to give them something, which is kind of nice. Him and Singletary make a nice little deal, right? Yeah, but I I just think that um that that game was there to be stolen for Miami and we touched upon it a little bit in our group chat, but like if they had gotten anything out of the quarterback position, yep. I'd have won that game. And, yeah. you know, I, I broached the subject of, would you be better off calling a guy who just retired than running your third string quarterback out there when it happens like it did here for Miami, right? This really came to them at the end of the year it's not like they had six, seven weeks of Brock Purdy, right? Because I think that's a different situation. But if it's happening right before the playoffs, I, I don't know. I mean, I almost feel like that would serve them better. So you just, you just give a call to Ben Roethlisberger and say, hey, you want one more run? Yeah, I mean, or or Phillip Rivers. And I think we talked about there might be some contractual issues, right, if those guys – under contract but like you know Roethlisberger had a one-year deal and it ended and Rivers had a one-year deal with the Colts and it ended so those guys are technically free agents um so they could be called in and I mean you know who knows if they want to do it but I I think it would be enticing right you call up Philip Rivers and say hey man you want to take one more run at this yeah right you got Tyreek Hill and Waddle and you know, obviously the playbook can be shortened a little bit, but we saw what Baker Mayfield did with a shortened playbook, right on a Thursday night. Right. Well, and you can even tell them like, I just need, I just need your two or three best games. We'll see on a fourth, right? You know, they don't even need necessarily need to start in that, in that fourth game if the quarterback can play, right? You just need to buy enough yeah. time for Tua to come back. What I would say is instead of a team like the Rams signing a guy like Baker Mayfield in the middle of the season or the end of a season, like you just look, wait for the silly season of quarterbacks to get cut. And if you're a good team, you need to snatch one. I, I just think even if they become your third stringer or they become a practice squad guy or something like you need to like somebody should have like the Miami would have been a logical candidate to snatch a Baker Mayfield to say like, 
we've got all these injuries. We need somebody that we can kind of trust that could maybe t- make take snaps late in the year. Made sense. Right, but he was waived, wasn't he, and claimed on waivers? Yeah, yeah. maybe that was it. But he didn't get to Miami in that case. That's true. Yeah, the Rams and I, and I didn't. Can see, right, I can see some of those guys, too, saying, hey, I, you know, if if they did have a choice, right, if Baker Mayfield did have a choice of where to go, he's going to pick a place where he's going to get a shot to get out on the field. Yeah. Um, But I, I just think there's something to be said about that, right? Like a, a big-time quarterback – who can come in and we're not asking him to throw the ball. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring him in and then ask him to throw the ball 45 times like they did. Um, Cause I don't think that was a good idea, but I also, you know, think you could get him in and have him throw it 25 times. Enough to make a difference in the game. Right. I mean, that it's the run game was nowhere to be found, but there, there could have been space if they could have just thrown the ball a little bit better. And let's be clear about one thing. All the drops, from these these top end wide receivers that Miami's paying for between Hill and Waddle were absolutely not helpful with a young quarterback either. Yeah, it that definitely didn't help them. Yeah, and that might have swung it because there were a couple two three balls that were really that were those were good passes. They need to be caught and yeah, like uh, that could have made the difference in the game. And I also saw Teddy was dressed like I think he would have played if they needed him to. Part of me's like. I kind of want to roll with Teddy at even at 80% if he had a thumb or whatever, the finger injury, whatever it was that he was really hampered with. I would have been like, you know, I feel like I trust you more than the kid, though. Can, yeah. you, can, he, you, can you have a go out here? Can you start he the had game? A broken, he had a broken pinky finger, right? Was that the thing? Uh, might have been something like that. I don't know. I think it was that, though. I think you're right. That just, would make some sense. It just, I don't know. It's just like if he's going to, if you trust him enough to put pads on and be the backup, trust him to be the starter. Like, throw him in because he's better than Thompson. Yeah, I, mean, I, not, I wonder I wonder if he was even a viable option, though. Yeah, maybe. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't know what they else they had in terms of if they had any other quarterbacks dressed. Um, and And I don't, you know. Obviously, there's NFL, there's betting line implications and stuff um, where you have to, you know, disclose some of those things. So who knows? Um, it, it was definitely, though, right, a better game than we expected and yeah. a better game than it looked like it was going to be when it was 17 nothing because I was close to turning it off. So was I. I was sitting there thinking, like, there's no way if Miami gets down 17 nothing can they get back. But – they did do what I know. I was listening to some of the pundits who said, "What are, what are the chances the Dolphins have?" And they're like, "Well, if Josh Allen wants to throw some picks, that'll give you a chance." And Josh Allen went ahead and wanted to throw some picks, and that's got to be a little bit, you know, for all these people that are ready to write Buffalo into the Super Bowl. I gotta at least that's got to be something we have to consider as we go forward, especially when they look at Cincinnati next week. And I'll get to that game in a minute. Yeah, and Cincinnati is a, I mean, they're a, a, an opportunistic defense, right? They're not a great defense by any stretch, but they're good enough and they're fast enough to make you pay for mistakes. You can't make those mistakes against Cincinnati. They will. They they are not Miami. They will take advantage of it. And we talked about it all all year that the one seed was so important for all those teams because it avoided this two three game in the second round, right? I mean. Yep. Whichever those two teams ended up in that, we thought it would be a difficult game for them. And so now here they are, right? And on the other side, Kansas City's going to get Jacksonville. 
which I, I think Jacksonville stylistically can present some problems for them. I don't think they're gonna Jacksonville's gonna win, but I you know obviously if you had your choice of who to play, you'd pick Jacksonville over playing. Especially with all the familiarity there on both sides, right? Reed very familiar with Doug Peterson. Peterson's kind of a Reed disciple. Um, if anybody you know kind of has a beat on it, it you got to feel like it's Andy Reed who's got a beat on Peterson, and vice versa, right? So they both kind of get each other. So stylistically, it's an interesting matchup, but I also think it's the one that has the most familiarity to the both coaches. You know, I, I get the feeling in that game that you know it's. Jacksonville feels like a team that's still a year ahead of schedule that they're just they're they're not quite they're not quite ready for this yet like they're they're showing some good promise here and I think that there's a good you got a really good quarterback and a really good coach and that's going to be a recipe for success for a long time but this year feels like especially defensively that they're just not there yet uh they're going to need another couple draft picks another couple guys to step up and get better maybe a free agent signing before they're really really competitive in this but I, I agree with Zach. I think that their their ability to control the ball is is going to be big for them if they can run the ball on Kansas City. And Kansas City's defense isn't – they're not world beaters. You lose in Kansas City because you get into, into uh, you know, possession matchups where they're scoring the ball and, you know, it's whoever has the ball last and it's always going to be Kansas City. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's the issue that you're going to run into for Jacksonville, and I just don't see them – I don't see them beating Kansas City yet. It's, it's interesting that you talked about them being there a year early because – there's there's one coach that I had that I you know talked to a lot still, and he always said that when they thought they were going to be good, they always ended up being good a year ahead before they thought they were going to be there. It always popped a year earlier, um, and so maybe that's what's what's happening here is they're starting to pop a year ahead of schedule. And I mean, you never know, right? We, you never know what it's going to look like playoffs. It's one and done. We always have the argument, you know, with that week off and how. How is it good? Is it right? Would you say rest or yeah. rust? Yep. Yep. So, but I, you know, like, I mean, I guess we, like, we can transition to some of these other games here. Let's talk and... that Jacksonville game since we're talking Jacksonville. Can we talk about this game for a minute? Because I, I think just talking that Jacksonville won the game doesn't do it enough justice, right? That that the that was like three games in one. Uh, very. Uh, an incredible game. Probably, I mean, if they would have played that game on Sunday, it would have been the top headline of today, but instead it's Daniel Jones and the Vikings. But that was an incredible game uh, to go down 27 rip, did the uh, Jaguars. Well, I think um, it's crazy because they had all those interceptions, and, and we talked, like, the first the first one was tipped. The second one probably could have been pass interference. But then the last two definitely were not good throws or good decisions whichever way you want to look at that. Um, but Trevor Lawrence persevered through it. The interesting thing is when they scored before the end of half and you knew they were getting the ball, it was like already people were discussing like, oh, here come the Chargers. You know, Chargers are going to do what they always do. And like, I, it felt like people were talking about that comeback before it even started, really. That was huge though, Ryan. That score before the half, I did think to myself like, you can't go to the half down 27-0, but 20 27-7 is a very different game, I think, especially since you are getting the ball in the second half and you do have a quick strike offense and you do have a coach that knows how to call plays and, and, and score points in bunches and things like that. But getting that score before the half I thought was big, and 
Lawrence did seem to kind of become a different guy in the second half, and I think it was because the coach didn't seem rattled when they went to the halftime. They they interviewed him at halftime. He was like, yep, glad we got that score. Now we're going to chip at the second half, and we're going to see if we can make it a game in the fourth. And it was like, he just looked but so not worried under any circumstances. They they also um, scored touchdowns, right? Yeah, they didn't, kick field goals. They, they didn't kick field goals. They got a touchdown before half, and that was big. Um, and, of course, you know, Joey Bosa – Fucking idiot! Some terrible stuff, and he like he doubled and tripled down on it today too. He basically said that the refs are sitting in the locker room laughing at him and baiting him, and um, not a lot of accountability there on his part, you know. But then says, "Oh, well, I got to be better." Um, but I'm getting held on every play, and I'm this on every play, and I so don't know. is every I, great I, player in this league, though. So is every great player in this league. You don't think Aaron Donald gets held on every play? I mean, you don't think you don't think our guy Bradbury was hanging on for dear life on Dexter Lawrence yesterday? I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Every great player in this league gets held. Every great player. Figure it well, out if you're that good. And and I think an interesting and this might be our transition to the next one, right? So to the next game, he he gets called for it, and then Doug Peterson decides to put the ball on the one and go for two. Smart. Um smart Jesus. Jesus. The Cowboys just missed their third extra Brett point. Maher can't make an extra point. Um, so the decision there though, to go for two, um, it, it's still bold because right in my head, I was thinking, well, maybe they kick the extra point here and then they can kick off from the 50, right. And they can do that little pooch kick that they did last time. And with that little pooch kick, you know, they can pin him in, pin him in deep and right. Cause they gotta get the ball back one more time. But he said, no, fuck it. We're going for two. Um, and, and Trevor Lawrence jumps over the top, which again, this is probably our transition to the Ravens Cincinnati game, because it's a great play when you have a six, one. seven quarterback. Well, he's a six, seven quarterback. He's on the one and it's a two point conversion. So if the ball gets punched out or whatever, yep. Just right, gotta break the plane. That's it. Right. It's not the end of the world. But when you're doing it from the two and it's third down, right, it, it's a terrible decision. And I just, I don't know what he was thinking with that. Trying to make a play, right? It's, oh, God, I hate that term. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, before uh, before we transition, I do want to get your thoughts yeah. on this game and your thoughts on the Chargers in general after kind of blowing that game. Just because the Chargers, just as much as the Jags came back, Chargers gave it away in a lot of no, ways. No, for sure. And, and I think... You mentioned the the calm, cool, collected nature of, of Doug Peterson before halftime, right? I mean, that's that's what you're supposed to do in that situation as an elite coach. And this is a guy who's won a Super Bowl. He knows what it takes to get there. Look at the other side. Brandon Staley is an absolute clown and and should not have a job coaching as a head coach in the NFL next year. He, he should not. He's simply a bad coach. He is going to end up being a really good defensive coordinator somewhere, but his team melted down, and and I I think that a lot of it comes down to the coaching matchup. I think that the Jaguars made a lot of adjustments in that second half to win that game, and it didn't look like the Chargers could do much of anything to, to answer them, and I, I think it comes down to coaching. And we've, we've seen this time and time again. It's just the latest iteration of poor coaching out of Brandon Staley, right? If so – if it honks like a duck, trust that it's a duck. And he's been honking like this all year. Here, here's my question on it, though. 
I, I don't know that they made any poor game decisions last night, right? Like going for it on a dumb fourth down or things that we've railed on him for before. Um, You just told me he's going to be a good defensive coordinator. Well, he just gave up, what, 31 in the second half? or Well, I guess they scored the touchdown right before half. But so he gave up all those points, and offensively they didn't do anything. Yeah, Herbert didn't have great numbers. Right. Like people and I mean, were he's talking not about calling the offensive plays. He's not. But you well, know what? The other thing I too, I guess. Okay, here's the one thing, and it, maybe it's not on him, but I did mention it. They were snapping the ball way too much time on the play. Oh, clock. Yeah, it was 15 yep. seconds on the play in clock in the fourth quarter. And I, and I know, like I said, they, they don't need to go into to uh, just run the ball three times in punt mode. That's not what I was asking for. But if the clock's running. You the back to back plays they snapped it at ten and then eighteen. Um, you're up by ten, and I think I think they showed the stats. They were still like eighty percent to win the game. If anytime you're up, your percentage is eighty percent in the fourth quarter. I think you need to be taking the full play clock. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, you, you said ten, ten, eighteen. I mean that's. If you're snapping it at two seconds, that's eight seconds, eight seconds, and then another 16 seconds. That's a drive in the NFL late in the game. Right. Right. If that's that is that's a possession is 32 to 36 seconds if you've got your timeouts. And that means you're giving a possession away just by rushing your snap for no reason. And they, they and, threw the ball like three to one, Ryan, right? Like they threw right, no, on absolutely. the second half, they, they didn't run the ball hardly at all. I, and I, I'm okay. I'm okay if you're throwing because that's what you are. But, um, because I think sometimes teams go too much into just run, run, run. But you can still throw the ball, and the ball's in bounds, and the clock is running. Like, take some time then. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I I agree. It just felt like it was a complete breakdown of the coaching system for LA last night. Or yesterday, I should say. Just it's or Saturday. What am I doing? It's yeah. Days run together right now. Man. I'm sorry. He's confused watching Monday Night Football. That's so. the problem. It's the whole Monday Night Football thing. That's what it is. It's it's just I didn't I don't like a lot of what they did. It felt like it. They thought that they had it in the bag, and forgot that they had a whole other half to play. And that to me is a coaching mistake. It's those kinds of issues. Yeah, is it on some professional players to make those decisions? Sure. But that's a coaching thing, and I think as all three of us are coaches, if your kid, if if your team isn't ready for a second half, that's a coaching error. It's a coach. You your job is to keep your team focused, and and he didn't do it. His team didn't stay focused, even with the best players in the world. You're the the margin for error is so thin in the NFL. You can't get by on a twenty point lead and some talent alone. You're up against a a very good quarterback coached by a very good coach who has been in a situation like this before. You can't let up. You can't let up. And I'm, they let I'm, up. I'm all in on the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon. Yeah, I think awesome. I am too. Yep. That was, that was big time second half guts from Trevor Lawrence. And I will also say this, Justin Herbert might be a really good quarterback. I'm not trying to say he's not. Rhino Ryan's a huge Herbert guy. So I'm not going to take anything away from that. But the 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 filleting of of him on a daily basis by the pundits, by the people on NBC, Chris Sims talking, oh, this pass might be the greatest pass I've ever seen in the history of football, and I'm like, 
context is important, Chris. Like it's a week 13 game against the, the whatever. I let's slow down on greatest pass we've ever seen. And there's you know the ringer guy. I forget his stupid name, but he's like, oh, he's tra- right now he's the third greatest quarterback I've ever seen, or whatever it is. Like the greatest talent in the pocket, the best pocket passer in the NFL. It's like all of these superlatives, and I'm like. Can the guy win a fucking big game first before we decide that that's him, that he's the guy, that he's the best player we've ever seen, that he's a top five quarterback in the league? Like, can we just, let's stop, just slow down on this. I've been saying this forever. I, he's, he's probably great. I just haven't seen enough. I I need to see a lot more than what I've seen and nothing on Saturday changed my mind. Nothing well, on Saturday. I, as, as you mentioned, I'm, I do like Justin Herbert. I think he's a really good quarterback. I think that there's a, a lot of narrative out there that's going to try to prop him up as the rival to Patrick Mahomes because they're, they're, they're desperate to find a narrative in L.A. that it, you know the Rams sucked this year, right? And they have to find some way to stay competitive in that market. And you have you have to find someone, and Herbert it could be your superstar. But the Chargers have no fans. There is no one in LA who's a Chargers fan. The Rams won the Super Bowl last year, and you're rolling out there with a mediocre coach and a pretty good quarterback, and it ain't gonna cut it. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna cut it. Just slowing down. Just well, slow they, everything down on Herbert, please. They might have a pretty good coach next year, but we can talk about that after we get through these games. Next game, about Sean Payton. Yeah, let's talk about this one. Uh, let's. You mentioned Cincinnati, uh, Baltimore, so let's talk about that. I actually thought Baltimore had a chance to win this game. I thought they were actually the better team in chunks of this game, um, but yet down. To, you know, you mentioned the big play. So, we, do we want to just talk about the player? Do you want to talk about the vibe of the game heading into that play? Because that play was the difference in the game uh, at the two yard line last night with Tyler Huntley. That was the difference. If if they score there, I think they win the game. I mean, it's it, that's a yeah. fourteen point swing, right? Yep, that's yep. huge. Um, they had all the momentum. You know, there was what nine minutes to go. Um, yeah, and 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 they had stymied the Bengals' offense. Right, Burrow looked very pedestrian yesterday. Yep, they shut down the big time wide receivers. Um, I think that game went exactly like they wanted it to go. Until that play. And then you had everybody after the game saying, if Lamar plays, we win. If Lamar plays, we win. If Lamar plays, we win. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, J.K. Dobbins has thrown everybody and their mother under the bus. Under the bus and Typical has, from a Buckeye. Oh, shit. Yeah, pretty typical. Yeah, that's pretty standard operating I, procedure from, from uh, the Ohio State. I, I will say this. Like, I, you know, again, a quarterback sneak from the two is weird. Especially when you got big dudes. Like, you got big dudes. Yeah. Hand it to Gus Edwards um, or whatever. I, I, it was, uh, it was a good showing by the Ravens. Um, and I think it, I mean, this Lamar Jackson thing is going to be really interesting now because, yes, there's people out there saying, well, if Lamar played, we win. But I think there's also, there's people who said we should have won with Huntley like the way that game was played out. We should have still won that game. Yeah. And I just like, I can't see 
a world in which the Ravens are going to guarantee all this money. I don't right? think I mean, there's any way they can. I right? think it's like I the Rudy think... Gobert thing for the Wolves. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not that I don't think it's the amount of money, it's the guarantee, right? That's the issue. Yep. No, it's yeah, exactly and... it. It's the it's the fact that it's fully guaranteed for X number of years. Yep. It's you can't get out of it in any way, shape, or form. And, and here it. and and the problem with that, if you're the Ravens, is I mean, he is hurt every year. All the time. Yep. Right? He's always hurt. And with so, increasing severity. Yeah. And and then I I understand where he's coming from because he is definitely more accomplished than Deshaun Watson has been. Hundred percent. Yeah. And Deshaun Watson just got all of that. Right. And Correct. so I I get part of where he's coming from, but I just can't I I would not want to be the team that fully guarantees his money. Yeah, let let's. I if I'm the Ravens, I'm gonna be like, you know what? I'm sorry, we just we're not gonna do that. If some other team wants to do that, that's great, but we're just not gonna do that. So if you need to go shop your wares somewhere else, okay, then I guess that's what you have to go do. It's like I said when I said the Rudy Gobert trade, I meant like that trade when that was made in the summer. It totally changed the market, and all the guys that wanted big trades like Kevin Durant and all those players, all of a sudden teams were like, well, it's whatever the Gobert trade was plus, you know, because Gobert is substantially better than Durant. And everybody was like, oh, wait a minute. We're not, that's just not what we're going to do. That's way too high. We need to reset this market. Same thing here in the NFL. They're looking around at Deshaun Watson's deal going, hey, okay, well, I'm better than Deshaun Watson. I need to get at least that. And all the teams are like, whoa, hang on a second. Like we need to reset this market and get this back to where we had it. This Watson thing is weird. We're not going to, we're not going to go for it. Um, I, yeah, I don't know where this ends up with him because I don't know how you can come back. I, I mean, I think you can because it's the NFL and money talks, but there's a little part of me that thinks this is probably the end of the line for Lamar, and that makes this offseason really juicy. I could see them working out some sort of, like, prorated deal with him or, you know, where, like, okay, year one's 100%, year two is 80% as they go along. Um or maybe, and I don't even know if you can do this in the NFL like you can in baseball, but they have some sort of system where, like, at the end of year one, if whatever parameters are met, then it automatically guarantees, you know, year four. And then year five gets added on, you know, after year two or whatever. Yeah, so kind of like what the Twins did with the Correa deal. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if, like, that is even available, but that would be something where I could see them exploring if it is. Ryan, your thoughts? Yeah, my my bigger question is not even, you know, how do they sign him? It's what happens if they don't. Yeah, it's the the other side of that coin of, you know, if if you're if you're Baltimore, and you're looking around at, uh, you know, not having your quarterback there anymore, and um, fix my camera here, uh, not having your quarterback anymore, potentially not having, uh that playmaking ability and, and you see what your offense is without him. Right. And it's, it's okay. Yeah. Their offense is not what kept them in that game last night. Their defense played really well. Right. But it's, where do you go from there? Cause you don't have, you don't have a top pick for a, uh, a new, you know, a different quarterback that could potentially take that spot. I don't think Huntley's that guy. No. You know, what's, what's the answer. And if, if you do go into next season without a quarterback, how likely is it that John Harbaugh wants to stay around for that? 
right? Is, is John Harbaugh willing to – he's been around for how long now? Is he willing to sit through a rebuild? Is that is that the co- what the coach wants to do? And now, now you're asking questions about do they blow it up? So well, it's a huge moving piece for them. Is that the worst thing in the world, though? No. I don't they do so. feel like a team that's sort of rudderless. Like they're we've you talked about this during the Festivus pod, Zach, that they kind of need to figure out like what they are and either be good or not. Yeah. Yeah. You, and you just feel like they've been kind of just piecing it together, like hoping that with Lamar, okay, we'll draft this receiver. Okay, we'll sign this guy. All right, we'll add well, this piece. And it just feels like they're the same team every year. So so I, I think the answer, Ryan, is that if you let him go, you're you're gonna retool some of what your offense looks like. But I would, you know, like then maybe they're in the Derek Carr mm. boat. Uh, maybe they're. I mean, technically, Geno Smith's a free agent, right? Tom's a free agent. I, um, I think if you're if you Baker you Mayfield. Look at that, you look at the money they have tied up on defense. I mean, you kind of if you can just become that kind of pound the rock, hold the hold the ball for 15 minutes at a time, you know, just make sure the other team doesn't touch the ball and then they you get the ball right back. I mean, that's a that's a viable path to success in the NFL. If you can if you can play good ball control defense, good ball control game, that could be their option without Lamar Jackson. You're just not explosive. Do you well, know why? Oh, go ahead. Zach. They're not they're not that explosive now though. That's fair. With him. And 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 I mean there's I think there's other guys out there. I think there's enough guys out there that and I I don't know that I would just let him walk, right? Maybe you can work some sort of Yeah, is he in the last year of a deal or is there a tag option? I mean, where they can are we tag with him? him? He he is a free agent, but they can tag him. Let me ask you this question. At that cost, would you rather have him or Justin Fields? Oh, uh, well, I mean, at that cost, I, I would probably go with Fields, but I, I don't like either of those options. I don't, I don't really either. But I, I would, I would say this, right? Like, one, one of the quarterbacks in San Francisco is going to be available. Yep. Right. It could be. It's probably going to be Jimmy G. Yep. Right. Um. Derek Carr. Uh, Baker Mayfield, right? Maybe they, maybe they, maybe they'd try a year of Zach Wilson or Trubisky or whatever. Like I think, I think that's the way that they may not have their quarterback for the next five years on the roster next year, but I think there's viable options out there. And Anthony Richardson could fall to them, and he's basic. I mean, he's he's. A Lamar Jackson type of guy. I mean, he could play yeah. that role. I saw. But, I think I saw him around 19 in the draft last time I looked. There's a little whatever. part of me that says that they have tried too hard to give to mold the whole offense around Lamar Jackson's skill set. And part of me would be like, you know what? If you are worth that money, I'm going to go out and hire an offensive coordinator that actually runs like a modern NFL system, and you better be able to run it. And if you can't run it, then we've got our answer. Because I already think we're seeing a little bit now. It's early. It's too early in Cleveland. The results are inconclusive after five games. We can't say that that's one way or the other. But Deshaun really struggled, like really struggled in Stefanski's system. Like when Stefanski runs a professional, like more modern NFL offense, and Deshaun really struggled in like a drop back pocket passing system. 
And I wonder if Jackson would also struggle in your traditional drop back, try to stay in the pocket, only use your legs when you have to kind of system. I don't know if that's the move, though. Or if he's better suited for that. Part of me thinks I'm bored with Greg Roman's offense, and that just needs def- it just needs more, it needs a lot more spice. It needs a lot more, right now it's just salt and pepper, and it needs more garlic and cayenne pepper and all kinds of other stuff going on. I, well, I think part of it is like that. So that offense is is more of a college offense, but a huge thing that I think is underrated, right, between college and NFL is the hash marks are so much tighter in the NFL. That's true. Which means the wide side of the field is not so wide as it is in college, right? So that spacing is such a huge thing in college, and and when you're running those reads and stuff, and I, you can't do that uh, as much in the NFL. Here's one more name for you, Ryan. Jordan Love. It's an interesting pick for sure. What I mean, what does Green Bay do at quarterback if Rodgers decides not to come back and you don't think Love's the guy? Well, if I, I so if Rodgers is back, then Love's on the table. If if Rodgers is not coming back, then they're starting Love. They sure. don't they don't dislike Love. They don't they think they like him, but they also have, you know an all-time guy there that they're not going to move on from. What's so. what's the general feel? I know this is off topic, but what's the general feeling there? Is Rogers coming back or is, is it kind of like, is it actually up in the air? I think he's coming back, but I think a lot of people are on the other side of it. They sure. But I think he's coming back. I, he walked, I think, the way he walked off the field, it looked like he was done. But I think we've seen that a couple times. I, yeah. I, my opinion is that he is, he is petty enough that he's going to come back for one more year just to make sure that Jordan Love isn't the next guy. Interesting. That'd be funny. Boy, that's interesting. All right, back. Maybe maybe that one for the offseason pod. We'll have to save that yep. one. we got a couple more games to skip around to. More on the Cincinnati stuff if we preview the, uh, the Bills game here at the end of the pod. But we got to talk. Um, yeah, the Niners-Seahawks game was interesting for a half. Not interesting after that. Brock Purdy, everybody else. The defense looks really, really good. San Francisco might have been the most impressive team from the weekend, so we don't have to talk too much about that unless somebody wants to add. But I think the game that we need to chat about is the one from yesterday. And, Ryan, I'll give you the floor first on it. Vikings-Giants. Uh, talk us through it. Well, I mean, it's, it is what, what we thought it could be. Right. I mean, Minnesota's defense just is what they were. They didn't get a turnover. They didn't find a way to, to claw back. And, you know, the, the offensive line crumbles at the end. You don't have a running game. I mean, it's, I, you know, you, you hope and, and as fans, you defend the team. And, you know, I did because I like the team and I want to see them do well. But, you know, the, the bottom line is that, you know, they looked like a house of cards and they kind of end up being a house of cards and it sucks, but you know, you want to talk about kind of being off schedule you know, you hire a new coach, a new GM, you don't really expect to go out and win 13 games. So it was a good season, a fun season, but not a successful one. And, you know, kudos to the giants for playing a good game. Congratulations. You get a ticket to Philadelphia to go get rocked next weekend. So, uh, I mean, it's, but neither team that won this game was going to win next weekend. So, I mean, it it is what it is. I don't think the Giants can beat Philly, and I certainly don't think Minnesota could have beaten San Francisco. Uh, But, you know, it would have been nice to win one. I just think that it's a 
it's going to open up a, a whole load of conversations for Minnesota that, you know, I don't think that coming into the season they were hoping they'd have into year two, but I think we're going to end up with a new defensive coordinator in this state on this team next year. I think you're going to see a whole load of defensive turnover. Uh, some of those old guys have to get cleared out and you know, that could be a lot of familiar faces who aren't here next year. So. I, I think that you hit on an interesting part there that they didn't think they were going to be here. Right. They didn't think they were going to be 13 and four. Yeah. And that is part of the problem with their defense this year. Um, you know, like I said, we, t- we talked about it. Uh, you know, you could probably go back to the first part of the year where I, I talked about that there were, they're going to be defensive issues because they're changing systems and they've got guys who are not suited for that system. Yep. And an interesting topic today, you know, it's Paul Allen was talking. He was saying, well, who okayed the decision to switch to this, you know, to go to Donatel and switch, switch it up. And I think they made that decision thinking like we are probably going to be okay this year, but this is a rebuild and we're okay of a year of kind of waiting through this to get to where we want to be. And it turned out like, Hey, we got this great chance and now that killed them. Yeah. And and I think it, it speaks to, it speaks to the potential of the team where it, they they could be a very good team. They have they have some elite pieces on offense. I An think elite that, piece. that maybe no, two I, elite I, pieces with Hawkinson. I, I think that I think that in in the system that they're running, you know, it, the 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 offense is one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, Cousins had a fine year. It's, this is not a rip on Cousins. And and, and the the issue that um, the issue that we're running into here is that defensively they're not even average. They're not even below average. They are bottom of the barrel, one of the worst. True. I mean, the offense carried the team this year. The defense's success was unsustainable because it was it was based on turnovers and things that were chance plays that you're not going to get every time if other teams protect the ball. That's just not going to happen. So. You have to find a way to play more sustainable, more sustainable defense. If you can even have average defense, right? If you can get two more stops a game than what they got this year, this is a team that I mean, they maybe they have a better chance against Dallas. Maybe they have a better chance in Green Bay. Maybe they have a a better chance against Philadelphia if the defense is simply average and can get off the field every once in a while. I, that that to me is is probably the biggest sticking point of the year. But you know, like like Zach and I have both touched on, we didn't think Minnesota didn't think they'd be here. This was we th- we went Tim, you and I went into this year. I thought they could be pretty good, but we went into this year thinking this is what an eight nine win team. I think you had them this, a little higher than that. I think you had faith yeah. in what they could do, and uh, I I was more of a nine and eight eight and nine type. I I kind of put us there just. A, because I'm a pessimist in general, uh, but... That was way closer to what everybody else was saying, too. But, I was the one the outlier. It was partly because I, I just didn't think that there was enough evidence. Like, there was so much unknown heading into the season. We didn't know if the coach could call plays. We didn't know if the GM 
was good at evaluating talent. I still don't know if we know that, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, I don't know if, you know, that that because we the draft is we did we did not get a player that helped us in the draft at all this year. I think that's safe to say. Now maybe next yep. year that'll change because Lewis Lewisine will get healthy or whatever, and maybe but it'll be different. But it sh- it should be noted he. I mean, when did he break his leg? That was like week four or five, yeah, something like that against. And New he Orleans. had not beaten out Cam Bynum at that point either. Yeah, he was starting the the the, the thing that's we he got injured on special too. teams, so that'll tell you something. Yeah, but he was he was starting to get defensive snaps. He, yeah. he they were starting to mix him into the, he was doing the Josh Metellus thing where they're like he's starting to get it we're working him in he's coming in on certain packages and that's kind of where it started for Cam Bynum too so it's the the turn was starting he got hurt kind of right where the season was kind of a pivotal moment of the season for him so it's it really sucks but I do think you were going to get something out of scene we just hadn't seen it yet yeah I just yeah I to me, it, it's still the the the, the GM is still. Uh, I'll give him credit for the Hawkinson trade. I thought that was that turned out to be a really great, a really good move on his part. Um, but everything else is, you know, we got to wait and see. Still, we're going to give that some time. He needs another draft. We need to see if we can get some players that can impact things. But the uh, the defense. I mean, it looked like they were playing with nine guys yesterday. I mean, there was just every time a receiver caught a ball, there was open field all over the map. Uh, yesterday and just nobody could get a hand on anybody nobody could tackle Barkley Daniel Jones looked unstoppable and Jones is much better there's no doubt about that but but uh, there was just not a lot of resistance offered up by this defense it uh go ahead it should be noted though as we you know as as I listen to Ryan rip on the defense and throw flowers the offense's way they scored less points this year than they did last year they had fewer yardage this year than they did last year. Yeah, but they were they were they were doing things this year that I felt like a, as a unit they were more efficient. It, I, it felt- I, I I I'm not saying that that that's like the be all end all, right? The yards and the points, um, but I think that right winning changes the perspective, right? Every, that that oh man, what a great offensive mind. Well. You know how much better was it? I think they're in for a big regression next year. Um, I think that we we've hit on the GM a little bit. Um, they're way over the cap, and I know we we know some of the names that they'll probably cut to try to make up space. But you still have to bring guys in then to fill those spaces. Um, I don't think Green Bay struggles as much as they did. Right? I don't. I think Rogers' regression has been overblown. That I mean, I think a lot of that's more was due to his broken thumb than it was his lack of talent. Um, and those guys, his his weapons are going to be a year older. So I think they're in for a big regression next year in Minnesota. All right, we're going to pause real real fast and then finish this pod in just a moment. <laughs> 